Well, we're so glad that you're joining us at Liberty Church Online today. I'm teaching uh, a message called Uncharted Territory. If you want a title for today, Uncharted Territory. I believe the world finds itself in uncharted territory right now. Uncharted simply means it can be defined as new and unfamiliar. I think it'd be fair to say uh, that we find ourselves in a new and unfamiliar season in the world at large for our, our world today. And if you read the headlines, you know, they're full of declarations like the world will never be the same, that we're living in, in quote unquote, unprecedented times. One article I read uh, said coronavirus will permanently change the world and then included a list of Uh, sort of forecasts from different experts in different fields about the ways in which the world would be permanently altered, even in the arena of the community of faith, how how communities of faith would be reshaped by the crisis we find the world walking through right now. You know, I believe that the global church, uh, along with the rest of the world, the global church is stepping into new territory. You know, uh, Even quite aside from COVID-19 and global shutdowns, you know, the, the church particularly in the Western world, has been navigating a changing world, a new landscape for a few generations. Of course, some things are eternal. Some things, in a sense, are unchanging. Uh, North is always north. God is God and He is good and His Word is eternal and unchanging. So amen to that. And yet at the same time, some things do change. The landscape, the world around us is changing. Uh, The culture that you and I and and the church is called to minister to, it's changing and the times are changing too. You know, one of our mentors, uh, Alan Hirsch, a a writer and and thinker in the church that we have a lot of respect for, uh, likens the times that we're in right now to trying to navigate New York City with a map of London. If you have a map, even if you have a map for the wrong place, it's difficult to navigate where you are right now. And I think, you know, the, the point of his metaphor is that I think Much of the church today is trying to navigate their worlds with a map that was created for perhaps another place or for another time. In fact, Alan uh, texted me just in recent weeks in the midst of everything happening around the world, and, and he wrote this. He said, the new form of ecclesia is being born in our choices right now. That word ecclesia is actually the word that Jesus uses in the scripture when he says, I will build my church. We translate it church in English, but the original word ecclesia is a rich word. And in many ways, actually, it's better translated gathering or assembly. It's really about the people, the community, if you like. And that's what Alan's really speaking to. The new form of what we call the church is being born in the choices that you and I are making in the midst of crisis right now. Another mentor of ours, um, Chris Vallotton uh, from Bethel in California, he texted us to say, he said, I believe God wanted me to let you know this is a global values reset, not Noah's flood. And, you know, to us that really spoke to, you know, in, in scripture, of course, Noah's flood was catastrophic. It was the end. And yet there's a sense in which what's happening right now is it's not the end, but it is a reset and it is an opportunity for us to consider the values on which we are building our lives and even our churches. First uh, Chronicles 12.32 says this. It says, uh, from the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives and all of these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. 
I think that's a really important combination. They both understood the times, the signs of the times. They understood the times that they were living in, but they also knew the course for Israel to take. Another translation says, and they knew what Israel ought to do because of the times that they were living in. See, times like these that we're living in right now, they press on us to innovate. You know, we're, we're pressed into innovation right now as a, as a church. I mean, as we consider what it looks like to take our Sunday services online, but a thousand more things besides that. Every expression, every ministry, everything that we're about as a church, causing us to consider the times that we're living in. In fact, these last few years, I was privileged to be part of what we call some learning communities, some cohorts with other lead pastors wrestling with things, uh, like what, what theologians would call the, the minimal ecclesiology of the church. In other words, what really is the church? In the Western world, we've loaded so much into the original biblical mandate and design that we just consider all part of the package today for the church. But what is the church in its essence? Not to be reductionist, but to understand what was the design of God so that we would press into what God truly wanted for the church uh, without necessarily loading in all the cultural assumptions that have been added to it over thousands of years. We wrestled with ideas around discipleship, around you know, microchurch, multiplying churches in houses and so much more. You know, the, the world is calling what we're in right now a crisis. And in some ways, it certainly is that. But, the, you know, the Chinese word or the characters for crisis are interesting. The, the Chinese language uh, displays the word crisis in two characters together. One uh, means danger and the other means opportunity. So in the Chinese mindset, I love this thought, when they describe crisis, they all at once are recognizing that crisis is both danger and Opportunity. I believe that's important for the Church of Jesus Christ right now, right now to, to recognize that there is both danger and opportunity in the times that we are in now. So if we, as followers of Jesus, are going to navigate these times and honor God uh, in a season perhaps of uncertainty for many and follow Jesus into places that we've never been before, how are we going to navigate uncharted territory? You know, uh, these last few years, I've developed a personal habit uh, that when I, when I study the scripture, I like to study my way verse by verse, chapter by chapter through one book of the Bible at a time. And when I get to the end of each book of the Bible, I like to take pause and not just read necessarily sequentially, uh, but just reflect and discern what I believe the Holy Spirit is leading to me to, to study next. And so just a matter of uh, weeks ago, I got to the end of the book I'd been studying, James, and I stopped and I felt very strongly I was supposed to read Joshua next. And, you know, so Joshua is a book that I've read before, I've preached about before. I'm going to read some verses from it in just a moment. But, you know, as I read these familiar verses, they washed over me with fresh revelation. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, that, that you can read a passage that you've read perhaps many times, but... When you read it in the midst of a circumstance where you need it in a whole new way, it can come alive to you because the Word of God is living and it's powerful, right? And that's what I experienced because they were like words of life for the very moment that we're living in right now. And they inspired the message that I'm sharing with you today. And as I read this passage, and we'll have it on the screen for you as well, what I want to encourage you to be thinking about the principles here. Even if you're familiar with the words, I want you to consider the principles that are de being declared by God, not only for Joshua, but for us as well and for the times that we're living in. What is it that God is speaking to us about thriving in uncharted territory? Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 
to 9. It says, After the death of Moses, the, the, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanese mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning to the left or, or to, from the, to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. What a promise that is. So study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be uh, sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a promise, amen? What rich uh, principles and promises there are in this passage that apply to you and I today all these years later. You know, these words, for a little bit of context, if it's newer to you, um, these words were spoken by the Lord um, over Joshua Soon after Moses, Moses the legend who'd led the children out of Egypt and captivity and through the Red Sea and through those years in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. Now Moses has died and it's Joshua's turn to lead the people and his leadership will begin with crossing the Jordan River. Literally, I mean, it's, it's a harvest season. The, the Jordan is actually overflowing its banks at this moment. Couldn't seem like a more difficult time for them to inherit the promise than this moment. But he speaks these words over Joshua as the baton of leadership is passed to him. So these, this passage is all about thriving in uncertainty. It's all about navigating the unknown, but doing it victoriously. So I want to share with you from this passage some keys to taking dominion in the uncharted territory of life. Keys to taking dominion, ownership, to succeeding, thriving, even in the midst of the unknown, in the uncharted territory of life. If you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to write down, and these are all straight, straight from this passage for you and I today. Number one is be strong and courageous. One of the things I like to notice when I study the scripture is things that repeat. And, and I notice something's repeated here multiple times. This phrase is repeated three different times in verse six, in verse seven, and verse nine is be strong and courageous. In verse six, it said, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people. Then in verse seven, the Lord says to him, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. And then later in verse nine, he says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. 
So three separate times, the Lord says to him, be strong and courageous, be very strong and courageous. And he says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Like uh, Joshua needed to get this deep in his spirit. And I believe you and I do too. So in other words, as he says to him, be strong, what's that about? Well, hey, he's saying, Joshua, you're gonna need strength for the journey that's in front of you. And, and so are you and I, we're gonna need strength. There's, there's gonna be a journey. There is, there's gonna be hardship. There's gonna be uncertainty. There are gonna be battles and giants to face. And so you're gonna need strength for that. And this isn't the ordinary human kind of strength. It's the supernatural God kind of strength, a strength that comes from him. So he says to him, be strong, but he also says, be, be courageous. To me, courage uh, is that inner resolve um, to keep on going. They're, they're cousins, strength and courage, but they're not the same thing. It's kind of like when we use the phrase that somebody is willing and able. They're related to each other, but, but in some ways, willing is about courage, right? It's the inner strength and resolve. Willing and able. Able is, a, is about the strength, the strength to follow through. I need to be both willing and able. I need to be both strong and courageous. It's interesting, by the way, that the third time the Lord says this to him, he makes it clear this is not optional, Joshua. He says, this is my command, verse nine. This is my command, be strong, and courageous. You know, Bill Johnson said, the walk of faith is to live according to the revelation we've received in the midst of the mysteries we can't explain. Isn't that the tension, right? We have revelation, we have His promises, we know something of the nature and the goodness of God, and we hold fast to that in the midst of what is unknown and unresolved all around us. So I think this is a word for you and I today. Be strong and courageous. So the question would be, how's your strength? Come on church, how's your strength? How's your, how's your courage, your inner resolve to keep on contending for the promises of God in your life? One of the challenging Proverbs that I think is a good reminder for us is Proverbs 24 verse 10. It says this, it says, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Well, I don't say that with any condemnation, of course, but it's a good challenge, isn't it? To make sure that our strength doesn't fail at the time when we need it most. That's sometimes how these things go. It'll be a time of uncertainty or challenge or obstacles that will reveal the strength or the courage that we have or we don't have. And if we find ourselves in a place where our strength or our courage or both feel like they're kind of failing right now, then let's bring that to Jesus. And let's repent and pray His courage and His strength would uh, give us a fresh infilling of power today. That's the first thing is be strong and courageous. The second principle for us to thrive in these times is, is this. The second principle is the time has come for you to lead. Again, this is something that the Lord repeats to Joshua. And I believe it's a, it's a challenge for you and I today as well. It's in both verses two and six. In verse two, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. A few verses later, he says in verse six, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. So you notice the first time that God says, you know, taps Joshua, commands him to lead. You know, he, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. Why is that important? Well, you know, God's acknowledging it's a new day. You know, the, the baton of leadership is passing to you. In some ways, I think, 
It's almost like an acknowledgement that he had big shoes to fill. Moses was the most incredible leader and what a man of God. And I can't even imagine what it would be like for Joshua to step into those big shoes to fill, so to speak. But there had been a time to grieve and to mourn the loss of what had been. But now it was time to lead and now it was time to step into the new. And uh, the second time the Lord reminds him, not only, hey, Moses is gone, it's your time to lead now, Joshua. But the second time he says, you're the one who will lead where? Lead the people to possess the land. So he's reminding them, Joshua, there's a promised land. There's more for you. You know, I have more for you, but you're gonna need to lead for the people to inherit all of that. See, I believe the church, and the church is not an institution. The church is not an organization. The church is not even services, right? The church is the people, the ecclesia, the gathering, the, the, the communion of the saints, right? The church, the people of God need to lead in times like these. And what does that look like? I think we need to lead in caring. We need to lead in hope, lead in faith. We need to lead in our compassion, lead in sacrifice and selflessness in times like these because it's going to take strength and it's going to take courage. That was point one in order that we could step into this second piece, which is to lead in times like these, like never before. Billy Graham some years ago said this. He said, courage is contagious. When a brave man or a brave woman takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Courage catches on. If the church of Jesus Christ would rise up in the strength and courage that comes from God alone, I believe it would stiffen the spines. It would, it would encourage the, the, the souls of others around us to step up in times like these. And what was it going to look like, by the way, to, to, to lead in Joshua's story? Well, to be practical, you know, the, the, the next day they would actually begin to cross over into the Jordan. But as I mentioned already, the, the you know, the, the Jordan River is overflowing its banks. So do you know what leadership would look like? when It, when it would begin with this moment where the Levites, um, one of the tribes responsible really for the temple and the holy things, would carry the Ark of the Covenant, really, you know, uh, in many ways, a, a, a remembrance of the, the power, the presence, and the favor of God, they would lead out in front of the people, carrying the ark carefully into the waters. And they would stand there as the waters would, would bank up upstream until they had dry ground to cross over in. And they were the ones who went first, right? The Levites went first. They carried the ark, representing the presence and the favor of God, into the very lowest point of the Jordan. And then do you know what they did? They stood there. And the people of God went through on dry land. And I only noticed as I was studying this in recent days that actually the Levites didn't just lead the way and then go out the other side. No, they led the way. They stood in the very middle until all the people of God had passed by safely before they came out. And they did one more thing before they left from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Somebody picked up a stone from the bottom of the Jordan River and they built actually a little memorial there at the bottom of the Jordan to remind them of God's faithfulness. But they took a stone out and they built it where they would camp that night as a physical reminder of God's miraculous power and provision for them in their hour of need. See, my point is leaders go in first and leaders come out last. They're gonna make sure that people are safe and people are okay. So, you know, thanks to Jesus, by the way, you might think, well, that's great for the priests and for church leaders like you, Paul, but hang on. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. Thanks to Jesus, you and I are priests. We're being, we're being built into the very house of God. So it's all of our calling now to lead and to step out so that others would be saved. 
Number three, the third key for us to navigate these times is to study the word, speak the word, and submit to the word. Study, speak, and submit. These come from verses seven and eight. Listen to what he said about the word of God and how to engage the word of God. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. This was the law. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then, key word, you'll be successful in everything you do. Listen here, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be careful, uh, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. And listen, only then, here it is again, a disclaimer, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So the Lord says, hey, be careful to obey. Don't, and this is what it looks like, don't deviate, don't go left, don't go right, obey my word. So it's not just about reading the Word of God, right? And it's not even just about knowing the Word of God. Those are both important things, but it's about taking it another step, which is it's good to read the Word. We should know the Word. We should, but then we should ask ourselves, what is the Lord calling me to do? In other words, it's about obedience. It's also about study and meditation, right? He says, if you study and you meditate on my Word, then you will be sure to obey. So it's, it's, it's studying, you know, I kind of, the illustration I had for this is like a cow ruminating. You know, a cow actually has four stomachs, so it can chew food, swallow, and this is kind of gross, but then bring it back up again, chew on it again, swallow it again to a different stomach. It's like a process of digestion. And I think there's a sense in which the Word of God is a little bit like that. I'm not just trying to get through this, read from start to finish, and then I'm done. No, I'm I'm meditating on it. I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm bringing it back at key moments in my day or when I face a challenge or when a fear comes up in me, I bring the Word of God back again. I chew on it again. I swallow it again, believing for more of it to give life to me. I actually read in one of the commentaries that the word here, meditate, can also be translated mutter. In other words, we're not just meditating, we're muttering the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? So it's like, what is it that we're speaking? What is it that this just falls out? When we're like talking to ourselves, what is it that we are muttering, what we are speaking over our lives? What do I need to do? Because the promise is then you will be successful in everything that you do. But here's, here's the challenge. Is the Word of God What's on my lips? Is the Word of God? What's in my confession when I face challenges? Uh, are His promises what's coming out of me under pressure? Because Luke 6.45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Number four is don't be afraid or discouraged. This is in verse nine. You know, as the Lord had said to him, this is my command, one last time, be strong and courageous, but then he gives him a contrast. Just to be clear that he gets it, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Again, he gives him both the positive and the negative. It's like earlier where he says, obey, obey my commandments, don't deviate to the left or the right. This time he says, my command is be strong and courageous. And he says, do not be afraid or discouraged. You know, Brene Brown said that, Faith is a place of mystery where we find the courage to believe in what we cannot see and the strength to let go of our fear of uncertainty. See, both fear and discouragement have power to rob us of what we talked about earlier, which is strength and courage. So, you know, Joshua and the children of Israel, they, they had promises. They were stepping out into a land that God had sworn them for generations. But if they 
If they allowed in fear and discouragement, it was going to rob them. See, if we are going to be strong, then we cannot operate in discouragement because discouragement robs our strength. If we are going to be courageous, then we cannot operate in fear because fear will undermine our courage. Of course, you know, you and I, we're human and we can have moments where we face fears or moments of feeling discouraged, but we have to take control of the atmosphere of our lives. We have to be careful not to partner with or operate in fear and discouragement because they'll rob us of the promises of God and our own God-given potential. So what's the call to action here? Let's ask the Holy Spirit, reveal to us, reveal to me anywhere that I am operating in fear or discouragement. Let me give you one more before we pray. Number five is remember that the Lord your God is with you. This is the kicker of all of it, right? It's found in verse five and verse nine. In verse five, he says, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you. And then he says, I will not fail you or abandon you. And then in verse nine, he says, don't be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is what we need to remember. As I talk about, you know, holding on to strength and courage and stepping up to lead in times like these, what we've got to remember is that what undergirds all of that and makes it possible is that God is with us. God is with you. God is for you. It's interesting, both times he gives this command, he starts with the word for. He says, for I will be with you. For the Lord your God is with you. In other words, what I just asked you to do, to, to lead, to be strong and courageous, to not partner with discouragement or fear is made possible by what comes after, which is I am with you. The Lord your God is with you. In the New King James Version, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what? I found this principle is really the key to understanding all of the rest and to holding onto them in uncharted territory? How do we stand in strength and courage? How do we refuse to partner with fear and discouragement in times like these? By remembering the Lord, our God is faithful and that He is with us. And if God is with us, God is for us, right? Who can be against us? Psalm 46 verse one, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God is very present. That's important. He is very present. Another translation says he is our very present help in time of need. So it's good to remind yourself if you find yourself in a place, a time of need right now, hey, God is not far off. God is not distant. God is not uncaring. God is very present in our time of need. You know, maybe right now you feel like your relationships just kind of in uncharted territory. Maybe your marriage or your family are experiencing a strain. Perhaps it's got to do with coronavirus and quarantine and these times, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's financial pressures or years of things that have sort of built up for this moment. Maybe you lost your job, or maybe you're thinking about a career change, or, you know, maybe... Maybe it's actually, there's great, beautiful vision possibilities in these times. It's not, it's proactive, not reactive. You know, maybe, maybe all this social distancing and call for innovation has given you new vision for your life or new ideas for your business or maybe a, a concept for some area of your life or a need in the world that you feel called to meet. And it's exciting, but again, it's wrapped in unknown and uncertainty. Well, can I encourage you as I get ready to pray 
to apply God's words and his, his principles to Joshua, to your own life. If that's you right now, can I encourage you, be strong and courageous. <laughs> the time has come for you to lead. Study, speak and submit to the word. Don't be afraid or discouraged. And remember, the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. So I'm gonna pray. First, I wanna just pray over all of us as we navigate these times. And then secondly, I wanna extend an invitation to anyone watching today who would say, man, I wanna begin a relationship with God. So Heavenly Father, first, I just pray for all those watching today who find themselves very aware of the uncharted territory that we're in, both personally and collectively right now. And I pray the promises and the principles of this passage from Joshua over each of them, that it would give them fresh strength and resolve to not only survive, but thrive, God, in times of uncertainty around us for the sake of the generations. Lord, I also pray for anybody watching today that today is the day for them to really reach out to you in a real and a personal way that you'd give them courage in this moment.